we're back and we're in the nutrition series. So today we're up to, I think, episode five, if I remember correctly, we're on to nutrient timing. So as ever, if you've not listened to the other episodes with this particular series, I would recommend going back and listening to it sequentially because the whole idea of it is to watch it in succession because we start with the most important elements of nutrition in the hierarchical order to the least and I'm giving you key takeaways so although you'll still get a lot out of these episodes it will make a lot more sense if you apply from the first episode to the latter so we've covered adherence behavior and lifestyle energy balance macronutrients micronutrients and now we're up to nutrient timing and then we've got one more in this series and that is going to be supplements now I've obviously mentioned a few things in each episode about each of these levels but we are going to cover nutrient timing today a little bit more specifically. So we've understood the behavior, the lifestyle, and how that affects our food and what we need to deem important for nutrition. And then we've gone ahead and we figured out how much energy we require, or should I say require to achieve our goals, or how we calculate that based on our needs. And we talked about all of those different elements. So we have our caloric starting point or our range, if you will. And then we went into macronutrients. So how do we fill those calories with protein, with fats, with carbohydrate, with fiber? What are the roles of those in the body? What do they do? How do we find those foods? How do we fuel the body? Depending on the goal, once again, whether that's a surplus or gaining weight, cutting or maintaining. And then we looked at micronutrients, which are the smaller nutrients, or micro small nutrients, meaning, again, in this case, electrolytes. We were looking at vitamins and minerals. So we talked about some recommendations, and we included fiber a little bit more in there as well. So we're, we're building this picture out more and more, and hopefully you've been applying that as, as you go. And now we're up to nutrient timing. So you know, within those foods that we've chosen within our daily nutrition, our diet, which you know, I don't want you to think of restriction with that word, but composing of the foods we eat on a regular basis, more like. When should we eat them? And again, this is slightly subjective, but once again, we've got to think about what is the goal and then reverse engineer it. So I'm going to start today with, first of all, the the fallacies around nutrient timing and maybe slay a few myths. So first of all, as ever, it comes to no surprise that there is no magic within meal timing. There is no certain timing that is all of a sudden going to transform your physique if you eat a certain food at a certain quantity at a certain time. Although it is advantageous to eat certain nutrients at certain times, especially as you move up in performance or you've ticked off those ladder lists, you can start adding and compiling these little wins. But again, it's not going to massively change the world because ultimately we have to think about the more important levels of which we've talked about below. So a lot of myths that stem from nutrient timing is that the more frequently you eat a meal, the faster your metabolism will become, therefore the more fat you will burn. And that is not quite the case. Although eating food will speed up the metabolic rate initially, the thermic effect of food, it is not going to magically change the thermodynamic equation, which is calories in, calories out. So if you're still eating too many calories for you to burn fat or burn, you know, body weight, you are not going to see a massive change. There's no magic in just increasing meal frequency. You're just really creating work for yourself. 
and vice versa too. You know, if you just go to the one meal a day, effectively, if you're losing weight, it's just that you're consuming less calories. And this is where we start to look at that depiction between, well, okay, I don't necessarily have to fast. I don't necessarily be on a certain diet, keto, carnivore, etc. It's more about controlling the total amount of calories per day that works in with your schedule, with your preferences to achieve the higher principle, which is the calorie deficit maintenance or surplus because over time that's what's really going to contribute to your body composition whether you are gaining muscle losing body fat or maintaining weight so things to keep in mind there as well um so to dispel those myths and you know we've talked about you know increasing that meal frequency there are some recommendations that we, we should aim for based on what we know from the literature and the studies of how many meals we should or could eat per day. And again, you've got to go back to this first principle when we talked about habits, behaviors, lifestyle. If you're someone who is a night shift worker, your meal frequency is probably going to be very different to that of someone like myself, who is a coach working in a gym, who has the ability to really eat when they want. And this is what you have to consider. So it's not like, okay, well, it might be better to, you know, have that eight to nine hours of sleep at night and then obviously distribute your meals accordingly. But for some people, that's not completely realistic right now. So if you are a night shift worker, that's where you might go, okay, well, I've got to be asleep for these certain periods. So it might mean that my meals or the timing of my meals are going to be a little different. And again, if we abide by those main principles, we will still end up with a desired result, although it might just be a little bit harder, especially if we're lacking sleep because it does handicap our results and progress. But it still can be done because, again, the principle still remains thermodynamics. So as a recommendation, we want to think about three meals a day. And I've talked about this in the other podcasts. This is what we know to be a good roundabout level. Okay, so that doesn't necessarily mean you have to have them at as soon as you get up in the morning smack bang in the middle of the day and then a 6 p.m. It can be three meals spaced out that works with your schedule. So for me, I don't really like to eat early in the morning at this point. As I've got older, I've realized that I'm not really a someone, a morning eater who just gets up and bang, likes to get food in straight away. For me, I like to do my routine. I like to let my body unwind. I like to drink water. I like to go for a walk. I like to have a coffee and then I'm ready to eat. And I find even then when I'm eating a higher calorie intake on a gaining phase, I'm actually much better or or, or much more likely to get those calories in in a more enjoyable way rather than getting up in the morning and just trying to stuff my face because that's when I'm meant to eat. So if we think about that first meal and it's often related to or termed as breakfast and we break that down, you might have heard of this, it's break fast. So we're breaking the fast. It's kind of where that name comes from. And if you think about it, we all fast. We're fasting through the night between the last meal. And again, that's not usually directly before you go bed. That might be around eight, nine, whatever it is, seven, six, depending on if you go bed early or late. There's a long period of time, upwards of eight to 12 hours where you're not eating. So that is not a bad thing. The body needs sleep. And again, if it's trying to digest, it's going to disrupt your sleep. But the whole like you need to fast, it's like, well, we go through these periods every day. They're just elongated or shortened depending on our schedule and our sleep wake patterns. But that first meal, it's a good idea to get some form of protein in because again, you've gone the longest time that you probably will without food. 
So the protein, and we've talked about how important protein is for not only building muscle, for not only preserving it and recovering, but for everything in our body, right? Our hair, our skin, our nails, all of these things is very, very important. So it's a good idea within these three meals to get a good composition of your nutrients throughout. Because if you don't, it's not to say that your health will decline, well, not in the short term anyway, but then you're left with two meals or later in the day to try and eat your protein. And as you may have discovered, protein can be quite difficult for a lot of people initially to get, especially if they've not been used to eating that much. And it's also, once again, the most satiating nutrient. So if you're not really getting ahead of the game, you're just leaving a big allowance that's going to compile where you've got to try and chase that you know, totality of protein intake and you get to the end of the day and you're like, oh, actually, I'm too full and I can't actually get that protein. So then therefore you're behind and then that can just repeat where if you start with a good bolus or a good serving of protein in the morning, again, I think minimum 20 all the way up to 50 to 60 grams being a larger individual, you're starting to get ahead of the game. You can start to put good proteins in your body and they're going to be there doing what they need to do and then accompanying that a good form of carbohydrates and fats. So if we think about these three meals, if you have a good composition, depending again on your calorie intake of protein to fats to carb ratios, and again, it really is up to you, but a good balance, so you might wanna go cool. Again, 20 to 60 grams of protein, again on the lower end, smaller individual, someone again being a bigger individual will go on the higher end. Fats, again, you know, being a smaller individual, you might go all the way from 10 all the way up to something like 30 grams, etc. And then carbohydrates will probably be the largest component, again, depending on the way you like to compose this. So it doesn't have to be this way. Some people like a high protein, high fat um, breakfast because it satiates them, slows down the digestion, and they don't feel like carbohydrates or a big meal in the morning. So it might be like an omelet, for example, or it might be a shake that's mainly protein based with some peanut butter or some nut oil or something of that sort. And then they might hit the carbohydrates before they train. But again, I'm giving you the basics. So if you had, again, a nice distribution between carbs, fats, and protein, and you did that for at least three meals, so your breakfast, whenever that is, your lunch, whenever that is, and your dinner, whatever that is, that leaves you with a pretty good total for the day for protein, fat, and carbs, which means that you can fill the gaps pretty easily in between with a couple of snacks. And that might be a protein shake, that might be some other form of snack food that you enjoy, whether it's a piece of fruit, whether it's some nuts, whether it's some chips, some crisps, it might be some fun foods as well, depending on what you enjoy. But it leaves you with a very easy composition every day to be able to achieve your calorie goal, right? Now, again, if you don't want to eat super early, you don't have to, and I wouldn't recommend either eating too late um, either. But what I would recommend is depending on the level of importance of your goals and your performance, this really depicts the importance of your nutrition timing. So, for example, if you are an elite athlete, your meal timing will be of more higher importance than your general gym goer. And the reason why is because your performance output is a lot higher. You should have a coach. You probably do have a very structured training program, recovery protocol, and the like. Let's think of someone who just plays for Man United, for example. They're going to have a strength coach. They're going to have a therapist. They're going to have a nutritionist, right? They're going to have a magician. <laughs> they're going to have so many people in parts of these teams looking after them, making sure that they're doing everything they can to get the best performance out of their athlete because one, they paid a lot of money and the goal, the level of importance for that athlete to perform is very high versus, and this is no disrespect to the general gym goer, 
they have probably got another job, it's not their career, they might not be getting paid to do what they do, so therefore the level of importance is a little bit lower, they've probably not got that support system. Also, when we go in the gym, although performance is important, for someone who is playing you know, at a, the top level in a sporting environment multiple times a week, the nutrition, the recovery modalities are imperative because the energy output is so high. Therefore, we need to fuel and recover the athlete and make sure they're ready for performance. So this is where if I was dealing with a professional athlete or some of my athletes on the higher end where they are performing at a high level, we need to perhaps have a more structured nutrition program to ensure that these safeguards are in place to recover the athlete and fuel the athlete for, for, for performance. So if that the athlete is underfed, they're probably not going to perform because they don't have a fuel and they're not going to be recovered and they might be too sore because again, they've not slept or had enough food or fuel to repair the damage that's been done from the performance you know, out, outlet or whatever they've been doing. Now, I won't go too much into that because that's probably not most of you. And if it is, perhaps you do have a coach. If not, link in the bio. <laughs> Anywho. For the most part, I'm speaking to people like myself who just want to look and feel good naked and some of us want to take it to that next level. So we are still going to focus on nutrient timing, but not to that same extent. So some recommendations around now your uh, pre, uh, intra and post workout. So for, pro, for post-workout nutrition, again, if you're in a surplus and well-fed, you probably have enough glycogen from carbohydrates stored in the body. However, to stabilize blood glucose levels and stop you feeling dizzy and to sustain performance, it's a good idea before you work out to have some form of carbohydrate and protein. More about carbohydrate at this point than protein, but again, if your pre-workout meal is your breakfast or your lunch, you can encompass it. The defining factor will be the time that you allow to digest that food before you train. So the bigger the meal, the more nutrients in it, the longer it's going to take to digest, especially if it composes of fiber and fat, which slows down digestion. So if, for example, you have a few hours before you train, then again, a nice balanced meal of 20 to 40 grams of protein, 60 to 80 grams of carbs. Again, this can be scaled back or up depending on the the, the athlete or the size or the output energy of the individual. Again, someone requiring more calories will have more. Someone with less will have less. And again, anywhere from your 10, 15, 20 grams of fat might up to be to 30, might be down to 10. Again, keep this in mind. It's going to be individualistic is going to suffice because that's going to allow you enough digestion time if it's physical food that you've got to chew versus say, for example, a liquid meal that is going to be digested a lot faster because you've missed out one of the chewing processes. Therefore, the body's going to absorb those nutrients faster. And again, it depends on the type of food. So if we look at like carbohydrates, we've got simple carbohydrates, which we talked about, which digest faster than complex carbohydrates based on the mechanistic makeup, the biological makeup of that food and how the body interacts and absorbs it. So it's a good idea to make sure you have enough time. So say if you're short on time, so you've got less than a few hours or an hour or so, that's when you might want to go with a faster digesting carbohydrate. Could be a piece of fruit, could be some lollies, could be a Gatorade or a Powerade drink, something like that. Could be some rice crackers with some honey, with some Nutella, with a banana on top. There's all different combinations you've seen, but there is no necessarily... Um, 
magic combination, shall we say. The, the deriving factor is a carbohydrate, and usually a sugary carbohydrate, because it spikes blood glucose levels and it stops us from sort of feeling a little bit how we doing or feeling a bit tired. You know, sometimes we feel drained. We're not prepared enough. We're not hydrated enough. That's another big one as well. Or we've not had enough carbohydrates or sugary carbohydrates in the system before peak performance. The higher the performance, again, the more important the nutrient timing and the totality of nutrition around the performing athlete. So again, as long as you're fairly well fed and in a good state, i.e. you're not in a deficit, if you're in a deficit and you're competing, that's when again your nutrient timing is more important because you've got less energy available. And that's where you'd really want to plan that out and go, okay, well here's my breakfast, I'm going to be training at 12, so say my breakfast is at 9 or 10, I'm going to have my pre-workout meal at 11 and that might be again because you're hungry, you want some satiety, it might be some rice cakes and some honey, it might even have some salt on there as well. Sodium helps deliver water to the muscle and potassium as well with the bananas and things like that. Good for a good pump, but there's no need to necessarily um, water load or deplete. And again, that's a story for another time when we talk about comp prep. So hydration as well, making sure that water's in. You know, we say three liters a day, but again, it's going to be individual to you as the athlete, as the individual, depending on the environment and the performance. Now, intra, when we talk about this, this is sort of during the workout. Honestly, for strength-based athletes and for bodybuilders, for most of us, we don't need much, if anything, because we're, we shouldn't really be training more than two hours at a time. It's not an endurance-based sport. And if you think about the time you're lifting in a workout, it's probably less than about 30 minutes of lifting time. You might have two minutes rest and you do a lift for maybe a minute. And we're not, we're not doing what we call co-current, which is continuous training. For an endurance athlete or an athlete who's doing concurrent training means the heart rate is consistently elevated. That's when we would look at supplementing with some fast digesting carbohydrates from perhaps a sports drink, a Powerade, a Gatorade. We might use extreme carbs in the form of dextrose, maltodextrin. These are all carbohydrates that are fast digesting that we can have in liquid form that are going to digest and be absorbed into the bloodstream, which is going to sustain our fuel, but also lower the perception of fatigue. And we'll talk more about like caffeine and other things in the next episode too. So again, if you're just your, your gym goer, you want to improve your physique, I personally wouldn't necessarily carry around a bag of lollies like a powerlifter. I don't think it's completely necessary. Um, again, it may help, but it's a very small percent thing. So unless you're an endurance-based athlete, I wouldn't really worry about it as long as you're well-fed before and after your training, pre- and post-workout nutrition, and your calories are in alignment to your goal. Again, big picture, you'll be fine key thing then is going to be hydration sipping on the water throughout your workout and again if you you are at a higher level perhaps again put some gatorade powder have a powerade have a steady stream of glucose coming into your system now post-workout nutrition again the higher you are the the higher level you train at the more important all of this is because you're ticking the list off from the sl the lower elements to the higher elements so now it's all about recovery so contrary to popular belief if you don't get in a protein shake straight after your workout, you are not going to lose muscle mass, right? You're not going to go catabolic. The body constantly fluctuates, like I said before, between fasted and non-fasted, so periods where the body's in a fed state and an unfed state. Throughout the day, going through phases of catabolism and anabolism, which is words for breakdown and build up. So catabolism, breakdown, anabolism, build up. So you cannot be in an anabolic state the whole time when we look at this in isolation. That's not a bad thing. But when we're in a gaining phase, or again, if calories are very low, like in comp prep, we want to make sure we have a steady uh, flow where possible due to the calorie allocation or, again, 
in alignment to the calorie allocation where we have enough fuel in the body or enough protein to maximize protein synthesis or muscle prevention, uh, uh, so to say preservation in a cup. So again, if we're in an anabolic phase, we want to make sure we're spiking protein synthesis by injecting, not injecting, that's the wrong word, isn't it? People are going to get the wrong idea. It's not that kind of podcast, guys. Um, <laughs> that's that's a subject for another time with another guest. So if you are, again, dosing and putting in, you know, uh, good boluses, good servings of protein uh, throughout the day and making sure you've got readily available nutrients. But again, if you've trained, you've prepared the body, you have created the demand to grow or, again, at least repair that muscle, the anabolic window, I would recommend within at least half an hour to an hour getting some good nutrients in. So usually, again, if you're an endurance athlete, it'll be hydration first. So getting enough water or electrolytes back in your system that you lost some sweat to replace that. Because if you put water in the body and you don't have enough electrolytes, vitamins and minerals, you're not actually absorbing that water. So again, the body needs other nutrients to absorb other nutrients and transport them in the body. So the fun fact is if you just sort of dump certain nutrients in your body, they might not even go anywhere. It's kind of like waiting for a bus at a station and there's, there's no bus to take you to your destination. So without getting into too much detail... And most of you will, will, won't have to worry about this because you're going to be in a fed state, you're not in a dieted state, or you're not working at that elite level. Some electrolytes, again, if you're a performance athlete, if not, and you've just trained, it might be some water. Let the body calm down. You're probably going to be in a state where the heart rate's elevated. You're going to be a little bit fatigued. If you go slamming food in straight away, it's not the best idea. The body's sort of like, what do you want me to do here? You want me to digest this? You want me to sort of facilitate the recovery on this workout? Just give the body at least 15, 20 minutes, maybe just to calm down, especially if you've been training hard and then you can sit down and eat some food and that's where again you can have a shake if you want to again there's no magic sure will it be delivered faster it will but there's nothing wrong with having a physical meal as well for myself i usually train before my lunch so when i have my lunch i have some form of chicken or beef it's going to be a good 40 to 50 grams of protein i'm going to have a good bolus of carbohydrate as well so i'm going to be eating anywhere from 40 60 70 grams of carbohydrate sometimes more in a surplus and i'm going to have a decent 15 to 20 grams of fat on average and that's going to feed my body and it's going to digest and it's going to supply me with the protein i need to repair and start doing the protein synthesis um <sighs> what's the word i'm looking for now mechanisms etc and so on and so forth right so and if i'm in a dieting phase i'll probably do the same but i'm not going to have as much food because i don't have as much calories to spend because i'm in a calorie deficit mostly but surrounding and putting calories around or surrounding the most active parts of your day is going to be key. So the more active you are, that's when you generally want good a good bulk of your nutrients around that time of day because that's when you need them. That's when you're going to be utilizing them. You don't want to save them till the end of the day if you're someone who isn't active at that part of the day. If you train at night, it might be a little bit different. So it's all about distributing your calories and your energy around your activity levels or your training and, again, your lifestyle. So depending on when you work work etc some people don't have the luxury to just knock off and you know go and have something to eat and that's where if if you do need something you might bring you know a protein shake with you because you can drink you should be allowed to drink at work so you can still get some nutrients in things like that so that's pre-workout peri peri-workout nutrition meaning pre intra and post and we've talked about the, the pre the intra and the post what mainly looking at the pre carbohydrates and post more protein and again if you want to having some carbohydrates to assist with the transportation if you don't have any glycogen in the system um, to deliver the protein into the muscle and start that process and then aside from that 
it's about filling the gap. So if you've got, you know, meals left over, you might have your dinner. And again, we talked about snacks. If you're low on protein, carbs and fats, that will depict what snacks that you're going to eat. Obviously, you want to choose things that you enjoy. But say you're someone who needs more carbohydrates, then you might have a more carb-based snack. If you need protein, it's the same thing. If it's fats, it's the same thing. Or it's a combination. So all of these sort of bodybuilding combinations that you hear of with snacks and food, and it might be cottage cheese and beef jerky or whatever it is and i talked about the rice cakes these combinations are only derived because they give you and deliver the nutrients that we generally all need so we all kind of end up falling into the same group of foods at some point because there's only so many foods out there and there's only so many foods that are going to fit that criteria so that's kind of where you know you hear bodybuilders eating these kind of foods or clean or whole foods it's because well they do the job they do the job really well and at some point they tick all the boxes that we need so cutting versus gaining again i've talked about the level of importance with this when you're gaining you know we really want to be looking at total calories and protein timing around our training but then when we're in a cutting phase we probably increase that protein because we want to look at muscle uh, pre uh, pres preservation we don't want to lose it and we've got less calories to play with so we're probably going to be a little bit more strict where when you're in a gaining phase apart from your pre and post working nutrition you could probably eat anytime because you you're in a surplus you're going to have an abundance of calories um, energy availability from body fat and lots of excess glycogen storage we're in a cut you know, your supplies are less, so therefore you have to be a little bit more divvied up. It's almost like being on a budget. You have to make sure you're spending the budget in the right places. Otherwise, you're going to come up short. You're going to go over and you're not going to get to the desired goal. Anyway, I've done a lot of talking as always. And let's just recap because I want to I wanna keep this simple for you, although, you know, it is good to go into some detail. I hope I've not confused any of you too much. And I really want to go and reiterate and highlight the takeaways. So if you do have any questions, guys, make sure you, you reach out, DM, post or contact me, and I can go over them with you a little bit more. So nutrient timing. First of all, it's more about, again, total calories. So we've got to get the total calories right, yeah? Because there's no point in getting the protein shake right after your workout perfect, but you're still overeating and doing recreational drugs on the weekend. It doesn't cancel that out. That protein shake or that nutrient timing doesn't cancel out the more important uh, levels of which come before it. So total calories. Get your total calories right first, then get your ratio of protein, fat, and carbs. Make sure you're getting most of your food from whole foods, and then you can look at meal timing. So many times when I'm trying to help people or new clients come to me, are they just eating certain foods at certain times, expecting a certain result, but they're overlooking the bigger importance of the total energy intake and also the macronutrient split, i.e. protein, fat, carb ratios. So the first one is to understand that you need to get the hierarchy right and there's no magic in eating more or less meals. That is going to come down to your lifestyle, your hunger, the amount of calories you consume, and again, your performance goals um, or objectives, i.e. do you train once, twice, three times a day, etc. Then we talked about the level of importance. Again, same thing. If you are an elite athlete, your nutrient timing is going to be of higher importance and you're going to be more critical. It's going to need to be more well-managed because you are have a higher energy output and the goal for level of exertion and recovery is going to be generally at a much higher level, a more critical level. 
Then we talked about compositions of meals. So again, aiming for at least three main meals, maybe two snacks. So it might be five total feedings. It could even be six. Something that's not too less and not too much. So if you go on the extreme of any scale, it gets confusing. If you have loads of food or not enough, it just gets quite difficult. Then we talked about pre, intra, and post. Pre-workout, mainly carbohydrate loading. And again, depending on the time that you've got, you might choose a faster or a slower digestion composition of food or carbohydrate. And then post-training, making sure you've got enough protein. Again, that could come in the form of a liquid again, or it could come in the form of a meal, and accompanying that maybe some carbs and fats if it is a total meal. And if, again, if you're a high-performance athlete or endurance, that's when you might have more that intra-workout, and you might make sure that hydration levels are also fueled adequately. And then aside from that, we talked about the difference between cutting and gaining. Again, in a gaining phase, the level of importance between, okay, it's probably going to be pre and post, but every other meal, you're pretty good with timing. But when you're in a cut, it is going to be more critical to have those meals timed because you've got less calories to spend. Okay, so I'm going to leave it there, guys. Any questions? Because again, it does get a little bit more technical on the higher levels of the nutrition hierarchy. Um, please DM me. Thank you for watching. Make sure you drop a subscribe. It's completely free. And perhaps share this episode with someone who will find it valuable. All right, team, until the next one, we'll see you for supplements. Of course, stay fearless. For those of you who are confused, frustrated, and sick and tired of not seeing the results that you want or deserve, make sure that you click the apply for coaching button in the description below and line up a completely free consultation with myself where we can discover if it's a good fit as client and coach and take your health and physique to the next level once and for all.